0: What's up, family? You are tuned into Law & Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. This is Resistance in Residence, where we profile artists using their gifts to change the world. This week's Resistance in Residence is dancer, artist, choreographer, all around amazing human, Sarah Crowell. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be in conversation with you.
0: I want to start with a little bit about you and specifically where and how you grew up. What was your family like?
1: That's a great question. I grew up in uh, Windsor, Ontario, in London, Ontario, Canada. Uh, My mother's African-American, my father's white, both from the States, but moved to to Canada when I was five um, because my dad was a professor, a religious studies professor, and he had a choice of going to like Idaho or Iowa, one of the I states. And uh, in Canada, my mom was like, I choose Canada. I want an adventure, which is definitely my mom. Um, And I went to elementary and middle school there. And then, uh, and my father's a, a professor, an academic and an activist, my mother, is a master facilitator of groups. You know, I feel like I learned all, all things facilitation, magical facilitation from my mom. And when I was nine, she left my father because she, she couldn't hang with um, being with a white man anymore. Um, and she went, to me, I said she went all black power like in five minutes, you know, when you're nine years old, she went from like pressing her hair to like a fro and a dashiki. <clears throat> in the early 70s and didn't look back then moved us to Nassau in the Bahamas where I went to high school Um, all the while I I was very convinced 100 percent convinced that I wanted to be a dancer but I remember when I was about seven my mom took me to see a ballet and I really love ballet that's that's where I entered the dance world but I looked at those dancers and I was like I understand what it takes to be as good as they are they have to only do that and I knew as a daughter of to activists, um, that that wasn't all I was gonna do. Um, That I really wanted to figure out how to combine my passion for dance and my passion for social justice. And that that led me to what I did for 30 years in Oakland at Destiny Arts Center.
0: And we're gonna get into Destiny in just a minute, but Sarah, in your bio, you say that you are someone who knows the power of art and self-inquiry on the path to liberation. What Mm -hmm. does that mean?
1: I think for me as a, as a mixed race Black woman, I feel like I have access to not just the idea of liberation but the possibility of liberation in my body. And I know that I have that because I have access to movement, um, that I understand that movement is part of movement and our bodies and awareness of our bodies because we incarnated into physical form, um, that that our form is a part of our liberation, and so for me as a dancer, I knew from very very young that I wanted to dance, um, and that I wanted to to combine my passion for justice with my understanding of my power in my body. Um, to me, it was they're inextricable, in, inextricable. Um, And so justice lives in my cells at this point. And every time, like when, as I understood, you know, I I had to go through the evolution of trying to be this, that, or the other in the dance community, um, be too skinny, get a breast reduction, all of that. My mom was like, no, 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 no. If you want to cut off a part of your body that God gave you. I'm pretty sure you need to reconsider your career, rather than what it is that you, you know, want to think you think you want to do with your body. And so that was constantly present in my body, in my body, and in my mind. So it almost that even that exchange helped me understand. Oh, I've got to go a level deeper with my understanding as as a dancer, as a as an artist. And so, yeah, I think. When I moved out to the Bay Area from, I went to Boston first after Canada, and I danced in dance companies there. I moved out here to dance with the Dance Brigade, which is based in San Francisco. It's a feminist dance theater company. It's been around for over 40 years. I took a workshop with Chrissy Kiefer, who's the artistic director of of Dance Brigade and still is. Um, And it's still based in San Francisco. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to scrappy feminist dance theater touring company. Um, And I auditioned for them a couple weeks after I got to the Bay Area when I was 25 and got in and toured a month later. So for me, it was destiny um, to do that work and to do the work with a group of, just a small group of gritty, politically savvy, fierce activists um, and tour the work and be in my body and see the response of audiences to the work that you know brought up issues that people weren't bringing up through the arts at that point. You know, this was in 1990. I, I actually moved here in '89, right before the earthquake in San Francisco. And uh, feels like it felt to me like the ground shook when I got here because it was like you you came to the right spot to do the right thing. <sighs>
0: Sarah Crowell, you spent 30 years at Destiny Arts Center. Tell my listeners what Destiny is and what you all have worked for so many decades to achieve with the young people you serve.
1: Yeah, thank you for talking about Destiny. Destiny is sort of my heart, my heart. I I did it for 30 years. I left a couple of years ago um, knowing that the organization was being held in a good way. Um, It started off kind of scrappy the way I talk about the work that I did with Dance Brigade Um, Dance Brigade was connected to an organization called Hand to Hand Self-Defense Center in Oakland, and they had a youth program. It was a martial arts program, and it came out of uh, the martial arts program was a mostly women's um, self-defense center led by Colleen Gregan, who's one of the most highly decorated martial artists, women martial artists on the planet at that point, and um, one of her students, Kate Hobbs. Was running a youth program in martial arts youth program, and Dance Brigade was doing some work to get uh, with the Revolutionary Nutcracker Sweetie, which was a huge production that Dance Brigade did um, in Oakland. And so we were a group of five women, but we would have 70 people in this production. And I went over to Hand to Hand to, Hand to get some young people to be part of the the Free South Africa piece in the, the Revolutionary Nutcracker Sweetie, and I ended up. Um, being in the space and Kate was like, you're great with kids. We need dance because we we don't just want martial arts to bring kids in here. We're really creating a, a program where kids can be in a community that not only makes them feel safe but gives them an opportunity to thrive. And we were based in North Oakland which was a primarily historically black neighborhood. We, she was serving black black and brown kids at the spot. And I was like, I don't teach kids, but I'll do it because this is a righteous thing. And I, I learned how to teach kids, and I fell in love with teaching young people at Destiny. And really, the the politics and the, the message and the community was always right on. And it eventually became a really large nonprofit serving thousands of young people. But I started off in 1990 serving about 15, 20 kids from three years old all the way up to 18. I taught hip hop, I taught modern dance, started the Destiny Arts Youth Performance Company. And the the mission now that has been crafted over the, you know, over 30 years is Destiny Arts exists to inspire and ignite social change through the arts. And to me, that says it all about the organization. We serve, and I say we because it's always gonna be in my heart. I'm the artistic director emeritus, which means I did it for a long time and I'm hella old. And I um, so I get that title, but um, they serve three to 18 year olds. They have a, a, a center now in North Oakland that we bought about eight years ago that we now own because of a, a major donation from the San Francisco foundation, an anonymous donor. Um, So that is going to live in this neighborhood. There's also programs that happen in schools, at Juvenile Hall. We have three dance companies, one for teens, one for young people, nine to 12, and one for elders over 60. And really everything about Destiny is is about empowering community, uplifting young people, and uplifting them to uplift themselves and each other. So I wanted to instill in young people that, you don't have to be in competition to be good at something. In fact, you could be good next to each other. And when somebody's, you know, really shining, if you throw light on them, some of that comes back on you. And then you'll be in the limelight, and you'll be loved and celebrated too. That was sort of at the base of it. Um, gratitude is at the center. Welcome is at the center of the space. Um, really giving people an opportunity to work together, to collaborate, to collaborate together to create work together, to tell stories, to tell true stories, and then to go beyond what the story is into what, what could we create? What could we co-create?
0: I am a parent who had the blessing of having her child attend Destiny for several years and watch just the transformation that took place, not only in her, but you know in, in other young folks. Um, I know there's got to be so many stories, Sarah, um, mm-hmm. but tell us one of the greatest transformation stories that you witnessed during your time at Destiny.
1: Yeah, and, and I love, Kat, that you said that there are so many stories, and I've often funders have often asked, you know, tell the transformation story, and I, I resist often because I think there's so many that it's hard to conflate. But one, when you told me you wanted to tell a story, one in particular just popped in my head. And it was this young woman, Chanel, who who's forty now, and she she calls me mom. And I resisted the mom title for a long time, um, but then I re- but she just refused to call me anything else. So I've embraced that, and she still calls me mom. And we were doing a, a big production at Holy Names, and there was an aerial dance element. We've been collaborating. Destiny's been collaborating with Vandaloop, which is a, a vertical dance company that has. Does performances all over the world, off of buildings and um, mountains and walls, um, putting putting dance in the air. And we had Chanel is the, the young woman that I'm talking about, and she was up in the rafters of the theater. I don't know how many hundreds of at least a hundred feet up, in her harness on this little um, you know uh, catwalk. And she's in her harness. All the other girls had gone. They were all girls at that time that were in the aerial dance, and they had already gone off the edge and, and experimented. And she was sitting there, like, "I'm not going to do it, Sarah. I'm not going to do it." And you know, it it was very safe. We had never—we never had any injuries when it came to that because Bandoloup is very heavy on safety. But I could see her life kind of flashing through her as she waited on the edge of this catwalk and she had all the support around her. It was me, it was um, Amelia Rudolph, who's the artistic director of Vandalope and her fellow students. And there was not one like, girl, get over it and just do it. It was all encouraging her to face into that fear. No, no doubt that she would make it over that edge. And her life was a lot. <laughs> she, she had a mother who was addicted to drugs. She had a lot going on in her life. She came out as a a queer young woman, very young. So she got a lot of support from Destiny on all those levels. And there she was on that edge. And we sat with her for 45 full minutes, patiently waiting. And then she just said, okay. And she just, boom, she just went off that edge. Mm. And we had like three performances where she did it in the dark, of course, with support. But she took that leap, that she went off that edge and she got through, I feel like lifetimes worth of trauma was released when she stepped off that edge.
0: Make me cry. I mean, I'm not going to mm. share, you know, Jaden's experience, but uh, cause that's, you know, her stories are hers to tell, but mm. watching her work through similarly, you know, difficult issues and self doubt and stuff. And man, by the end of her final show, just, just so completely transformational, um, mm. in in how she moves in the world,
1: mm. you know. Yeah, I mean, I've had kids audition for my dance company, and and for me, at the moment you walk into the door of an organization, a community based organization, you need to feel like you are welcome, that like you are home. The moment you walk in, whether you get into the dance company, because it's an audition, so there is some competition right there, but whether you get in or not, I want you to walk out feeling like, I just got uplifted. And there was this one girl who came to an audition and it was a four, I, 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 I work the kids, you know, so we're uplifting them, but we're also challenging them. We're also, I also say, you're going to be worked harder than you've ever been worked, and you're also going to, I'm going to expect more out of you than you've ever been expected. And I got a lot of feedback to that effect from my students. Well, this girl came after, you know, sweating and laughing and, and encouraging um, other kids in the, the audition. She came up to me, she was like, Sarah, that was like one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And I don't even care if I get into this group or not, because I had this experience with this community. You know, she got it. I was like, amen to that, because that, whether they get it or not, that's always going to be the way that I want to set up a space, you know? So I'm so grateful that your daughter, Kat, got to experience that, because she is an amazing young woman, and she brought all her gifts and, and incredibleness to that space, and there was a gorgeous exchange. You,
0: I understand, have a couple of pieces uh, to read that were written by Destiny Kids. Um, or I should say Destiny Humans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you share uh, those with us?
1: Absolutely. The first one, and they're two short ones, but there's one um, um, called Tomorrow Is Today, which then became the title of one of the shows that we did probably 10, maybe 15 years ago um, by Romani Hung. And Romani uh, now works at World Trust with Shakti Butler um, doing social justice films. Um, But this was her at 16, Tomorrow is Today. Tomorrow is today, mind foggy like overcast with questions that lead me to ask, what's to become of my generation? Tomorrow is approaching fast and I'm still asking, what do we do now? I was born into a world where turf wars and wars overseas is why thick scarlet cover bodies. Where safety equals guns and knives and silver bullets is why we bury loved ones. I was born into ghettos where halters and miniskirts strut Pablo in stilettos. A nine to five isn't enough, so our brothers, cousins, friends start selling that illegal stuff, do business with fiends while young minds possess, possess the thug mentality, embarking on a journey of violence and fatality. I was born into a place where the odds are against me. Young woman of color born and raised in the town. Same old, same old hopelessness, sun up to sun down. Expectations of not getting far because of who you are, who I am. I'm a walking time bomb, I suppose, because there are those who wait to see me fall, wait to prove a stereotype or become another statistic. And still, I stay optimistic. Cause see, I have visions that are bigger. You must be the change you wish to see in the world, Gandhi said, and that phrase keeps replaying, replaying, replaying in my head. I don't want to get stuck in a world of negativity or surrounded by those involved with criminal activity. Change starts with me. Change starts with us. We are the ones we are waiting for. Now more than ever before. Tomorrow is today. Tomorrow is today. Tomorrow is today.
0: Nice. All right, what's the other one? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the other one is called I Wish I Was a Painter by Jelena Keenley. And actually she's also a filmmaker. So there we, there we go. doing for social justice filmmaking. I Wish I Was a Painter by Jelena Keenley. I wish I was a painter. If I were a painter, I would paint a new world. Not a world without conflict, but a world without ignorance. Not a world without anger, but a world without apathy. Each brushstroke, carefully creating communities and countries, imagination, innovation, inspiration intertwined with the breeze. If I was a painter, I would recreate our cultural regression and relaunch a revolution. We can reinvigorate our nation. We can be the change we want to see. Together, we can paint the world with our words.
0: Lovely. Sarah, as we've mentioned, you left Destiny a little while ago, and we certainly felt the impact of your departure, but you have not stopped being a dancer. I get invitations on Facebook. I get invitations in email. You were still creating. You were still arting all over the place. Tell the people what you've been up to.
1: Yes, thank you for um, asking. Yeah, I'm working on um, doing various things. One, consulting with the Othering and Belonging Institute, which is led by the amazing Dr. John Powell at UC Berkeley. Um Bringing what I say is like I like to bring mindfulness and movement into all spaces, whether they're dance spaces or spaces that are research spaces or corporate spaces. Um, Bringing the heart, bringing joy to me is a revolutionary act. Um, I'm also, I also have been working on a couple of dance projects. I never thought I would be performing again. Um, I'm 58 years old. I had a great run, 15 years of dancing and touring. but I done. I worked on a piece, actually couldn't perform in it because I got COVID right at the last minute. So who knows what the lesson is there, but it was called Water Bodies Land. It was a poetry by black women that um, we set, uh, a woman named Amy Koda set to music and sang. And I hired actually two of the alums, two of the dancers were alums from Destiny, um, three dancers and a poet. And I staged that along with a couple other people, beautiful piece that just um, went up at SoMarts in San Francisco. And I'm also working on a project called Tell with Keith Hennessy and a group of Black women dancers and white dancers coming together to do racial healing um, work. And that's going up at Dance Mission Theater in San Francisco. Um, So back to my roots with Dance Brigade in November. And uh, doing various and sundry consulting projects like i said to bring movement and mindfulness into spaces that either have them already and they teams need to be built in ways that that actually really honor the body and then in places where the body is often forgotten and the mind has taken over and has been you know the central focus and i want to take the mind sometimes out of the driver's seat and bring the rest of the being into all of those different spaces. So, I might That's need me. to
0: bring you into APTP. Uh. I'm, on. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was. That was going to be my last question, Sarah. But I was. Um, I was reflecting on last year's, and I, I know you were gone, but the, the 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 weight of the Destiny performances, right? So they go through the season, and then they it culminates in these. These huge productions um, that have a script written by the kids and, and the dance, and but they carry these like really intense messages around the state of the world, right? Like I remember one year like it was really focused right on climate disaster. You know, mm-hmm. we're dealing with a generation of young people who, you know, have memes laughing at their parents asking them about grandchildren. They're like grandchildren, you know, on what planet? Mm-hmm. Um, this last production. Um, which I cried all the way through because it was Jane's last one. But um, (laughs) also I was crying because, you know, they were talking about gun violence, right? And there was like reenactment of the gun drills our kids have to go through. And I was just wondering about the process or the art of holding all of the already complex emotional ups and downs of young teens and teens, along with helping them express their concerns about the world and finding a way to hold on to hope and how art is a container for all of that work. Like it's a healing mm-hmm. justice process almost.
1: That makes sense? What I'm Absolutely. Asking. Absolutely. I mean, to me, the, the poems that I, that I read are really, they express kind of beautifully the answer to that question in a way, you know, like young people are smarter than we think often. I think society often, maybe not so much anymore, but in the first part of my 30 years at Destiny, you know, there was a disregard. I mean, I would show up in places with 25 teenagers and producers would be like, oh, here we go, a bunch of kids. And then we hit the stage and our message was on point and the dance was amazing and the poetry was scintillating. And so you can't look away. And and for me, there's a transformation that happens through the art making, through the truth telling, because it's in their bodies anyway, so it needs to come out. It needs to to have expression. And then I weave it. And Destiny does this beautifully. Weave it with hope. Weave it with vision. Weave it with protest. Weave it with um, a sense of we have agency over our destinies. You know that is so important. So. We're not going to look away from the hard stuff because it's in their face anyway. I mean, and especially with the advent of uh, cell phones and social media, I mean, I saw it all from pre cell phone to post. Mm -hmm. And especially with that in their their face, 24 7, 365, they know what's going on in the world for better or for worse. So let's tell the story and let's give it a different type of ending. Let's give it affirmation. Let's affirm what it is that we want rather than get stuck in what's happening or what we don't want.
0: You are listening to Law & Disorder. I'm your host, Kat Brooks. This week's resistance and residence artist is dancer, choreographer, and social change agent, Sarah Krause. Sarah, thank you so much for joining
1: us. Thank you. What a blessing.
0: You've been listening to Law & Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. Law and Disorders produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and posted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox. Our Resistance and Residence theme music was composed by Jesse Strauss. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.